Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective Podcast. Happy Monday. Matt Pfeiffer here. Just checking in to see how you're doing. Um, we've got a really exceptionally exciting episode for you today. We got the opportunity to talk to somebody that we really look up to in the coffee world, Alexander Mills. Um if you live under a rock and you don't know about Alexander Mills, but you love coffee, um, I think you'll fall in love with him here during this conversation and once you go check him out online, um, because I certainly did. Uh, Alexander Mills is a craft coffee educator and enthusiast from Niagara in Southern Ontario, Canada. He is most well known in the coffee world for his blog at alexandermills.coffee and for his gorgeous Instagram feed and his desire to make brewing great coffee at home more approachable. I think that has been a real strong point to be made, especially in this year when a lot of people are doing a lot more stuff at home. We talk about his unique and uplifting backstory, um, good music, being a new dad, and of course, all things coffee. One of my selfish reasons for getting him on the pod was actually to pick his brain about uh, his turntable setup and his also his unique approach to language when it comes to talking about sensory experiences in coffee. Um, Alexander is somebody who Kevin and I have looked up to since we started in coffee. Uh, Alexander's influence in coffee reaches far and wide. He is a lot of other things though. Um, He's not just a coffee guy, you know, he's a human being and he's got a really interesting backstory. He is a pastor in his hometown with his wife, Rebecca. He's a new dad. He and his wife, Rebecca, fostered um, children before they had a, a kid of their own just recently. He's also a musician. He's really into music and music listening. But my gosh, we had such a great time talking to him and he was absolutely so gracious and I think you're going to love the conversation we had. So um, only note for today is that we've got a couple of bags left of our highlight roast guava banana. It's a uh, double fermented Katura coffee from Colombia. We collaborated with Stacks Espresso Bar to get this coffee off the ground and it is beautiful and it's boozy and it's fruity and it's everything that I want out of my spring morning. So if you want a bag, head to upstatecoffeecollective.com slash shop. Um, also, listeners of this podcast can save 10% on a bag of our flagship blend called All Day ADK. You can use the code podcast at checkout and save 10%. Um, we really appreciate you. We love you. Uh, have a great week and enjoy this conversation with Alexander Mills. I've seen you... Um, Ran your grinder uh, around Rebecca's uh, baby belly to get the yeah. baby acclimated, and I think it worked because I don't know if you saw my my post the other day, but I was brewing coffee while Asher was like asleep on my chest. Oh my god, yeah! Whoa. And somebody sent me a message there, like, "Did you grind the coffee with him there? You couldn't have." And I was like, "Yeah, I did," and he slept oh through god. it. And uh, I'm just going to attribute it to the fact that I parked her pregnant belly next to the grinder a bunch of times while uh, <laughs> while I ground coffee to try and acclimatize <laughs> him to it. So. 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. You're just like, this is a sound of the world. Get used to it. Yeah. That's ex- <laughs> I, I said almost those words verbatim. I'm like, this is, you don't have an option. Like, this is what this house sounds like and, and get used to it. <laughs> yep. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, let's jump into it. Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective Podcast. Matthew Pfeiffer, the host of this thing. I'm the co-host, Kevin Miner. <laughs> and wow. today, uh, just to ask the inaugural question that we ask people, uh, Alexander, who are you? How are you? And what do you do? That is a loaded set of questions. Yep. Uh, <laughs> my name is Alexander, uh, alexander.mills on Instagram. For those of you who are part of the coffee world on Instagram, um, how am I? I'm great. We were just chatting just before we hit record that I've got a newborn and uh, he just makes everything great. Like just looking at his perfect little face. It's like, how can you not be great? Even in the middle of the morning when, you know, <laughs> we should all be sleeping, but we're not. And it's like, I can't, yeah. I can't be mad at that nose. Like it's just mm-hmm. too cute. Well, it's your nose, um, isn't it? Or like <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Cause like when other people have kids, mm-hmm. you're always looking at the other people and so when they have kids you can see like oh i see his nose i see her ears whatever but when he showed up it was like i because he's part of me i had a really hard time like picking out who he looks like oh wow. um and of course like my family says he looks like me rebecca's family says he looks like her so i guess he looks ah. like a bit of both of us um what is that two of the three questions who am yes, i how am i and what, what do i do? do that's the most loaded question <laughs> so I do a bunch of stuff um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll list them in, in a bit of an intentional order. So my wife and I actually pastor a church here in Niagara-on-the-Lake with my parents, which is the most little known fact about me. Whoa, um, that's amazing. I did not know I, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really project that part of my life on the internet because I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. So people who know me in, in real life and here in Niagara know me as that. Um, but on the internet, I, I don't really project that. And that, that's pretty intentional. Um, I work a day job at a company called pro church tools and we do software. I know you guys are familiar with software, um, and Mm -hmm. coding a bit. We have a couple software products. So one of them is a church website builder. One of them is like an online giving platform. Another one is uh, stock footage for churches to use for video content. And that's actually, those three things are, they pay the bills, but that's the least of what we do. Most of what we do is free content. Uh, so we just make training videos to teach churches how to use the internet, basically. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's the next awesome. Genera- right, the next generation of, of church, right? The next yeah. generation of, of being uh, in that world and, and trying to like connect with, especially younger people. I think that's mm-hmm. really difficult for yeah. the church in general. Would you agree? Oh, I would totally agree. And it's, it's our, what we say a lot is we're going through the biggest communication shift in the last 500 years. And that's a reference to the printing press. And when the printing press showed up, the first thing ever printed on that thing that revelized the way we communicate was the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then since then, for the last 500 years, it remains the, the most widely printed and distributed book of all time. Mm-hmm. And then the internet, the internet shows up, which revolutionizes communication in a whole new way. Like you, you and I are only talking because of the internet and we're recording video and recording audio it's only possible because of the internet and the church is like scared of the thing and and we've we've fallen behind and don't use a lot of the common tools like google my business you know Mm. so when people are looking for a restaurant they know how to find it on google but when people are looking for a church the churches aren't showing up um so that's that's basically what we do is is just we help them navigate that communication shift 
Oh, wow. Um, so those are the, the two things I'm lesser known for. Uh, but the thing that we're probably going to talk most about is who I am in the craft coffee space. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I guess I'm best known as a, as a blogger and I have a real blog, unlike some folks who call themselves bloggers who don't have an actual blog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are words on a screen somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're getting so, at? So, yeah. So I started writing about coffee and I'm sure we'll talk about my history with coffee. I started drinking coffee ages ago, but I started writing about coffee five or six years ago, um, mostly as I was learning myself, but just as I was getting asked a lot of questions and I thought, well, I could, I can make a resource so I can send send you the answer instead of articulating it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Instagram, you know, I'm a photographer by trade. I used to do, I used to do wedding photographer, photography full time. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the marriage of like imagery and mini blogging, I guess on Instagram was just the perfect fit for me. So I've been posting about coffee on Instagram for years um, and now transitioning into a bunch of other really fun projects in coffee um, and now serving some coffee. So we can dig into all that stuff later, but uh, yeah. from, you know, from a, from a 10,000 foot view, that's, that's who I am and some of what I do. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, excellent. Thank you. I, I, one of the things that struck me um, when I was thinking about having you on the podcast was like, wow, when Kevin and I came out of the coffee scene, uh, probably two ish years ago, two and a half, almost three now years ago, three for me, three for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you, yeah, Ke- but you and I, as yeah, a pair, right. Kevin, years ago. Kevin brought yeah. me into the coffee scene. Um, I work a day job as a software engineer and was looking for a, a, a hobby, just something to do. And, and we, we and got talking we and here we are. Right. So. One of the things that I always found really interesting was when I jumped into the coffee scene, you were like already there. You were already making content on internet, uh, on the internet, on Instagram, on, on, the internet, yeah. on, <laughs> on, internet. on that thing, on the web, you know, I yeah. dialed into my, dialed into my server at the library. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you were like already making re- like really great content on the internet, all over Instagram, thousands of followers. Um, from my point of view, like I was like, oh, he must work in coffee, but it seems like, and from what you just explained, you don't exactly traditionally work in coffee. Do you have a back history though, being a barista or is it a hobby that you Mm -hmm. fell in love with much like we did? Yeah, that's a great question. So back then, uh, three, four years ago, I wasn't working in coffee. I don't think I'd done anything paid in coffee at that time. Um, I was working in, in the way that I guess internet influencers for lack of a better term work which is in like the education department which is often a a free world anyways and like i mean back to my work at pro church tools all of our education is free and that's just the nature of again the internet like youtube is is Mm -hmm. the best university you can learn how to do anything on there and it's free um so that's kind of what i was doing back then um my history in coffee is just a, a really enthused home brewer um, and now transitioning into working in coffee in a few different, um, few different ways, both personally and with some other folks, um, and now working, working behind bars in, in different fashions, um, maybe just because I have more freedom with my time and, and more opportunities now. Um, I live in this weird space in, in Niagara Falls. So Niagara Falls is obviously known as what it is, you know, yeah. a tourist town <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, the, but to, to actually live here is very strange. I, I, th- I think a lot about like, I've been to Vegas and I think it's probably similar to folks who live in Vegas. Like we all have an idea of what Vegas is, right. And it's the strip and it's, it's, yep. it's the gambling and it's all that stuff. But like there are, I have friends who like live in Vegas, like that's where they live. And I feel the same way about living in the falls. It's a, it's a really strange city. There's about 
I don't know, 90,000 people who live in the falls. And then the neighboring city is about 140, 150,000. Mm. And there's just no specialty coffee culture at all. Um, for me to go to a shop that I would, I would like to, to sit down and enjoy. I'm driving to Hamilton, which is halfway between here and Toronto. It's half a million people. And that's 45 minutes from here. Wow. Um, so as far as opportunity goes to work in coffee here, where I am locally, there wasn't any until I created it. Um, which we can talk about later, but I, I started my first, um, work in coffee was online because first of all, that's where I was accessible. And second of all, there wasn't a local scene. And so you responded to that by starting to blog and answer some of those questions that you were obviously getting as maybe like just the local coffee guru of your friends, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. That's cool. But you, you said that you've been drinking coffee for ages, Yeah, which, you know, are we talking like low teens or? Well, I grew up, I grew up drinking coffee. I just came by it. Honestly, my dad and my brother both took their coffee black. My brother's 10 older, 10 years older than I am. So I just, mm-hmm. I did the same thing, right? Just to fit in with dad and older yeah. brother. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and some of us come by that. Honestly, that's our experience. And, mm-hmm. and here in Canada, it was, it was Tim Hortons. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you go through like this phase of drinking Starbucks, thinking that you are at the pinnacle of the coffee experience because of what you're paying and what the the space feels like compared to Tim Hortons. Um, but my first, I don't know, experience with specialty coffee or craft coffee was about, let me do the math, 11 years ago. Um, I to make this long story very short, I did a coffee swap with a friend of mine. I had coffee from Cuba. I had just come home from Cuba and he had coffee from home, uh, from a roaster, uh, on the West coast of Canada, Canada called bows and arrows. And we traded coffees and it was a natural Ethiopian that he traded with me and it tasted like blueberries. Mm. And I thought, what in the world is this? And that was 11 years ago. And, And so since then I just, I'm the kind of person that, that like, whether it's, coffee or cameras or wine or whiskey it's like once i get a taste of a different world i'm just i'm going to dive in head first all the way Mm -hmm. so that's what i did with coffee so it's been about 11 years that i've been i've been taking specialty coffee really seriously and and honing my skills as a as a home brewer which is how most people relate to me as far as like what i can what I can give them and how I can help them. Yep. Um, but yeah, of course, recently as a on bar as well, behind machines and stuff. So, yeah. So learning that you are uh, a pastor in your hometown really piqued my interest because I want to say we've talked to at minimum three guys in heavily invested in coffee that are also pastors. Oh yeah. And it's, it's really, really interesting to, to, find that I, d- I don't think that that's like an anomaly is there something would you say about the coffee industry or the community or is there something about coffee that brings people of faith into it or people who uh, enjoy you know creating a community or inclusiveness like w- what comes to your mind when I bring that up um, yeah you're probably referencing folks like Kenny from Ethnos or even Mark Cunningham I know you had him on the pod he's a great guy um, Heck yeah, he's the best. But um, I think I think you just touched on it there, Matt. You said the word community, and I think that is probably what it's all about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the church, and we don't need to talk much about faith if you don't want to. But the church has um, 
in its best expression, and there are a lot of poor expressions of the church that do a lot of harm, which is a lot of the work that I do as a pastor is kind of undoing that for folks. But mm. in its best expression is a very holistic community that takes care of each other. Um, yes. And I think I think we all know that about coffee, and I, I don't think it's it's unique to specialty coffee either. I think any expression of coffee we know intrinsically has everything to do about community. You know, some of it's such a communal beverage; it's one of the most consumed beverages in the world. It's on every table in every cafe, and it's so nostalgic for folks because you've had some of the most heartbreaking conversations over a cup of coffee or some of the most joyful conversations over a cup of coffee. You've got, you sit around a table, sometimes with people you like, sometimes with people you don't like, people you agree with, people you don't agree with. And I could be using the same language to describe what our faith community looks like here in Niagara, right? It's like, it's mm. the same thing. You gather around a table and you mm. chat and you, you learn about each other and learn about life together. So I think, yeah, fundamentally, I think that's what it's all about is community. And then, of course, you've got churches that, like, massive churches in the states that just uh, shove cafes into their uh, into their lobbies too. So there's that. I was going to make a comment about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's definitely a thing. There is yeah. there is a church in our region that uh, actually does Starbucks really service. Yeah. Yes, I did yes. not know that. Oh, dude, it's nuts! Like yeah. you walk in, and you're like, huh? <laughs> okay. Or or they'll like they'll they'll, they'll take it another here. step and they'll they'll start their own cafe and call it like holy grounds or something. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. You got me. There's always one dad joke every Woo! every podcast. That well, was it. I'm okay. trying to I'm 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 working on them because I'm a new dad, so I'm trying to yeah. exercise the dad jokes and figure out like what what style of dad joke I really want to lean into. So yeah. Yeah, that's, let's let's that's talk a muscle. About. You gotta you gotta develop. It, <laughs> yeah, let's let's sure. talk about that a little bit because you you and I, Alexander, had a, a short conversation about being a dad. So you are a new dad. So by the way, congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank really you. Yeah, amazing. Um, obviously, you have fostered in the past, so you're no stranger to being a parent. But I I think that I I must imagine there's something special about going through the entire process with Rebecca, your wife, and. And seeing that unfold and, and seeing somebody that is holy your blood. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to touch on there is like, gosh, like what tools or methods have you discovered are really helpful for you to like manage your time to do all these things that you want to do and be there with your family, being a dad? How do you balance all of that? responsibility yeah what does time management look like for you oh that's such a great question um it's a weird question to answer in this uh this time period we're living through during a global pandemic because time management work and not work has all just kind of been distorted i've been working from this room from my home office for the last year mm. um and a lot of the things that we used to do like we haven't met in church for over a year We've we just been streaming online uh, yeah. to Facebook on on Sundays, not from church. Like we don't do a high production; we're a small little church. So we, I just I just do it from home. I share the gospel from home. Um, so it's a lot of the things that I used to do and a lot of the things that used to take up my time haven't in the last year. Mm. So now having a a kid and and starting some new projects, I have a hard time knowing where or how they would have fit in a year ago. True. Yeah. But like, but here we are today and we, we talk a lot about like, well, when things go back to normal and I'm just, I'm sure th some things will go back to normal, whatever, whatever that means. But I don't think we're going back to our lives the way we used to know them. 
Um, now that being said, whether it was pre-pandemic or during pandemic right now, the way I manage my time um, is by being very intentional to what I say yes to. And I say yes to a lot. I don't say yes to as much as I used to. I'm, I'm exercising that muscle, learning how to say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but being intent, I've found being intentional with what I say yes to and making sure that the things that I say yes to um, give to me as much as they take from me result mm. for me. And I'm not sure if this can work for everyone. Um, but for me, at least, and for us, they have resulted in what I like to call a full life instead of a busy one. Mm. Um, and I think, I think from the outside, they can be perceived at at, like, as the same thing, like, Oh, Alexander, you're so busy. And it's like, well, to you. Yeah. And I, my time is, is occupied a lot, but it's the things I've said yes to are so life giving that it feels full. It doesn't feel busy. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of a philosophical answer. Um, rather than telling you how I block out my time, I get very creative. (laughs) Um, I, I do a little bit of work here, a little bit of work here on this project there, on this project there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, having, having Asher be up in the middle of the night sometimes is helpful because I can jot down a couple notes on my phone or do this or do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also being super intentional about not working all the time, you know, having my, my phone actually, well, this would surprise most people. My phone has been on do not disturb for six years. Whoa. It stays on do not disturb. I I respond to things at my convenience and that really helps with, with, you know, our dynamic at home, Rebecca knowing and Asher knowing when he grows up that when that I have my dad's attention when, when I need it. So dude, actually, uh, I, I did this unintentionally one time. Uh, I was getting blown up. I'm in a lot of group chats mostly with Kevin and then uh, like a third or fourth party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I see a lot of Kevin talking in my world, which I love. <laughs> uh, but, but I, you're welcome. Yeah. So like <laughs> where I work, I can't bring my phone with me. Uh, it's, it's a secure facility. So I got to keep my phone in my car, which is like very strange <laughs> for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and I come out at the end of the day and I have 137 unread text yeah. messages, right? Mm-hmm. Un, All the time. Unrealistic. Can't go through them. Yep. Generally, they're you and like one other person. But uh, my point yep. is one time I accidentally I saw a little button that said um, deliver quietly, which I believe is like a like a stepped stepped down version of do not disturb. So now that actually the same kind of thing happens to me. I don't get dings when I get text messages oh, anymore. Nice. Obviously my phone still rings because yeah. <laughs> you heard that, but yeah. sorry, by the way. Um, yeah, that was funny. It's the that, first time that's ever happened. Right. Cause my phone's always on silent mm-hmm. I know. and do not disturb. I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, it's very, very, <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic to like, like force yourself to not necessarily be available 24 seven in a world where we're, technically always available 24 yeah. 7 or at least we make ourselves yeah. that way so, so that's that's really um that's really interesting you're really like intentional about where you put your attention saying no is a really difficult thing a lot of people feel a lot of guilt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because when somebody reaches out to you and says hey what are you doing i you know i miss you let's hang out and you've already got you're already you know booked out and overbooked you got to say no and it sucks but you got to serve yourself first i think that that's really that's really important. yeah and, and yeah. i i think it has a lot to do with thinking about what world i want my son to grow up in um and what i want him to know about how the world works and like you said there matt like mm. there is kind of this this 
global agreement that we're all available 24 seven. But like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want my son to, to think that way or live that way. Um, and yeah. so like when it's just me and him, I, I want him to know that I'm only available for him. Um, mm. and so I, I thought, I thought a lot about that. I'm a, I'm a thinker. That's what I do. Um, so I, I thought a lot <laughs> about that before, obviously before he showed up earthside and he doesn't know the difference right now, but, but he will in a few years and, and beginning to practice oh, yeah. that before he ever showed up has, has kind of proven it to be, to be possible. Now my wife, she's a midwife, she's an on-call midwife. And so she exists on Whoa. the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is maybe necessitates me of being the way I am, but like her phone is on loud and she's literally on call. Um, and she has to be available for her clients. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of center the, the ship there, I guess a little bit by being the other end of that spectrum. Wow. So she, yeah, she's on call literally for other life forms coming into the world. Dude, I, I can't tell you how amazed I am by, her and by the job that that they do the midwives just healthcare professionals in general especially this year you know working on the front lines and and putting yourself at risk for the the safety and the health oh, yeah. of others but yeah I, I think she's got the coolest job in the world um i think she's yeah. i think she's a superhero and to watch her go through that experience herself she's been to hundreds of births and just been with women for all those moments and to watch her go through it herself was just i mean it was a dream come true for the both of us and we got a kid at the other yeah. end of it so you can't really argue with it yeah <laughs> yeah you did and then your neighbors put up like a little welcome <laughs> and everything too. You had such a sweet week that Dude, week. my neighbors are like just the the quintessential like kindest grandparents you can imagine. Oh. Mm, and uh, they don't have grandkids of their own. And so we got home from the hospital and I was doing dishes and I looked out the window and I just see this, uh, you probably saw it on Instagram, this, this paper that says, congratulations, welcome Asher. And I'm just crying doing dishes. And I'm like, Rebecca, come here. <laughs> she had a C-section, so she couldn't get up. So I had to take a picture Oh no! or I think I actually FaceTimed her from the kitchen and, uh, mm. and showed her that was pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, yeah. we've got, we got a good set of that neighbors. That is really sweet. That's awesome, yeah. man. And that, I mean, that goes back to that community thing, mm-hmm. you know, oh. like, and it, it seems like it's, um, you're, you're kind of manifesting it for yourself, you know, in the coffee world, like here we are, we're, we're being communal, we're talking and then in, you know, in your neighborly world and then also you're a pastor. So you're, you're manifesting community for yourself. I think we, I yeah, think we probably all do that though. Like, yeah, I think if we have a set of a clear set of values and it doesn't have to be a common set of values like christian values or whatever but whatever it is that you value deep inside i think if you live from that conviction and kind of personify it first then not only do you attract like like like-minded people but also folks who don't have what you have will see it and be like ah that's that's cool that's a good way to live or that's a good way to talk or that's a I, that seems mm-hmm. life-giving to me and that attracts them as well. And um, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think I've seen that not just in my own life, but but definitely in more ways than one. And and the coffee community on online is is no exception. It's, it's a pretty special thing we have. I say we as like the collective coffee brain um, and totally. the, the connections we've made online over the last couple of years. And specifically this last year, so many people have started brewing coffee at home that weren't brewing coffee at home before. Um, yeah. you know, the, the, the coffee sphere on Instagram specifically has just ballooned over the last 12 months. And, yes. and I think it's really, really cool. And I think I, I want to say, uh, that, you know, 
a large, maybe, I want to say a a good portion of that is thanks to great coffee content, approachable coffee content like yours. Looking at you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Alexander Thank you. Honestly, as far as like, as far as coffee people go, like this is as close as I'm going to get to like meeting a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, our homeboy Kieran even knew about Alexander Miller. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And he's I a mean, photographer. You've blown up. Uh, and I, I don't think I've known um, the Alexander Mills Instagram page without a giant following. How, what, what was it like building that following? Was it, su- I imagine it to be super organic. Did you have like, uh, did you have a plan or was there like, uh, you know, a, a way that you envisioned yourself building that community or did it just kind of happen as you were, doing something you love i love that question and people ask me that question a lot when they have the intention to build a community like the one i have and the answer i give them is not what they're looking for they don't like it um i did not intentionally build the community that i have the privilege of serving um and that's actually the reason that i don't project myself as a pastor on the internet is because i know that if i was to build uh, i pastor a church of a hundred people and that's hard enough it's really it's right. really hard to hold 100 people in your heart and serve them all well. And I knew that if I built a community online of people that I don't actually live life with, I know people online, but I don't live yeah. life with them. And if it was to grow, I would not be able to serve them the way that they deserve. Um, mm. That's why I don't that's why I don't project myself as a pastor on online. So when it came to coffee, um, my page had a little bit of traction just because of of um some of my images, like I said, just being a photographer by trade. Um, but when I started talking about coffee and, and started talking about coffee exclusively and really started writing about coffee, um, it just happened like a snowball, to be honest with you. Um, and I've done a lot of things to intentionally temper that growth, which is very counter, um, intuitive to a lot of folks. People really want to build big communities because it feels good. Um, and I get that I have, I have felt it. I, I know what that feels like. I've actively tried to resist that um, because I want to stay connected to the people who choose to show up for me. I remember when I rolled over 10,000 followers, I got so many messages saying congratulations and people in my life saying, hey, are you gonna, are you gonna post something? Are you gonna thank people? And I was, I was in like a really frustrated, I was in a really frustrated place during that time because I didn't see 10,000 followers as as an achievement. I saw it as a burden. Um, mm. And that's my own fault because I choose to be very available and very accessible online. I've never not responded to a direct message. Um, and that takes a lot of time. There on, on any day, I'm responding to dozens. On some days, it's hundreds. And... And I knew I wanted I wanted to be available in that way. So as my account was growing, I was lamenting it because it was getting really hard to stay connected to folks. Um, and so that's why I started this thing called the Coffee Club, which is um, a blind coffee tasting experience with a very small amount of people. It was very shortly after the, the pandemic started. I was really missing uh, sitting across the table with somebody and, and talking about coffee. And my account was also growing really rapidly. And so as my account got, as my audience got wider, I couldn't go as deep with people anymore. And so I started this thing called the Coffee Club, which is uh, a quarterly, um, 
basically blind cupping experiencers. There's 50 spots available and even 50 is a lot of people. And, um, it's a, it's a three month kind of experience where we send out three coffees, completely blind, no information. And we jump on a call like this. We, we use Facebook rooms and we jump on a call and we cup them live with no preconceived notions about what they are, or what they should be. So it's, it's a sensory experience, but it's a community experience. And then there's a private Facebook group where we continue to stay connected over the, the next three months. And that was just born out of my account growing and me not being able to go deep with people anymore. Yeah, And so I, you know, so I curated a smaller group of people to be able to go deep with them again. You know, I, I never thought of it like that as being a burden, but that you're absolutely right. I think, uh, I think the culture is, uh, the, the culture creates like this, this, uh, this unknowing un you know, like, uh, unanalyzed desire for a large community for a number to go up. It's a metric that, mm-hmm. like you said, like it doesn't necessarily mean that you are any better at what you do, mm-hmm. or um, so you, you could even go as far to say it's like you don't even deserve that number. But maybe you take good pictures, mm-hmm. and you, Alexander, mm-hmm. for sure deserve that reach and more. Um, but I think I, I see where you're getting at. Where if you want to continue to to curate an experience for people and make it personal and make it what a community should be, which is genuine human connection. You can't genuinely connect with 14,000 human beings, you know? Um, why, uh, I guess you, you created the coffee club to go deeper with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you also were building this kind of, um, philosophy for yourself in coffee which is uh changing the way that we think about and talk about coffee Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that i was really really interested in how you're kind of taking um a little bit of extra effort and time to describe coffee and talk about coffee in the same or similar way that we talk about wine can you talk about that a little bit yeah um I'll try and do it in a in a concise way because there's a lot there. So when I started um, when I when I started writing a blog and really started um, helping people through direct messaging on Instagram, I thought I knew. And honestly, when I started creating content specifically for Instagram, which is not how I started, but it just became a thing. I, I wanted to get really nerdy with coffee, and there was a certain type of coffee drinker that I wanted to to not appeal to, but to converse with, to, to chat, to share common ground with. And I realized very quickly that I could create all the content I wanted, but the questions I was getting um, most often were very basic, very elementary, rudimentary questions about coffee. And I realized that the people who are actually looking for help are not the people that I, not the, the metaphorical person I had constructed in my mind, but they're people that I like to call coffee curious. And I know that, that a lot of the work you guys do is building this bridge as well, building a bridge for folks who either drink commodity coffee or, or don't drink coffee at all, but who want to know more building that bridge to, to get them there. So be, I, I pivoted my attitude, basically my own attitude to serve those kinds of people better. And one of the biggest um, roadblocks that I was learning most of these types of coffee curious folks were experiencing was just a matter of like language. Um, And this happens 
for a lot of us in other industries as well. So if you don't know much about wine, but maybe you know that you just like a fruity red wine. If you go to a nice restaurant on Valentine's Day, maybe you want to impress your girlfriend or whatever, you sit down and you open the wine list. And when you open a wine list at a restaurant like that, or maybe it's a restaurant even where like a Psalm comes to the, the table side and like is walking you through the wine list, you're going to see mm-hmm. names and words and surely you're going to see prices that you don't know anything about. And I've been in this mm-hmm. position where I open it up, I get overwhelmed because I don't understand it. I close it, I put it back down and I order a soda water or whatever. And so that, <laughs> that experience is happening every day for people in coffee who have learned one way or another that there is a specialty or a craft coffee world, but the language is so above their heads and so off-putting in a lot of cases that they get disoriented, they get lost, they quit, uh, they get discouraged. Mm. And so a lot of my work now is like reforming that language, reframing it for coffee curious people, but also for people who perpetuate that kind of, uh, snobbery because we don't have to talk that way. Um, and I find that that actually in reframing that language, it's, it's really helped a lot of people who are advanced in their coffee journey to, to think about things a little bit differently. So I stumbled into that, not because I thought it was a good idea, but because it was a problem that I perceived that, I don't know, I thought I could maybe help with. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, one thing that we keep hearing from a friend of ours is that in coffee, especially, uh, in higher end craft coffee, you got to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if somebody comes into your shop, we, we, we've made a, we've made a joke about this a few times, but you know, if, if somebody comes into your shop and sees that you have a really, really expensive, uh, really beautiful, rare coffee, um, and they want to try it and then they put milk in it, there's a certain part of your, of your brain that's like why would you do that that's you know that th- like because you know you have an appreciation for the for the entire coffee supply chain and, and how much work and time and effort went into making that coffee so beautiful and that in general when you're putting uh an additive in a really nice coffee you are um like muffling some of the potential uh flavors right um but meeting people where they're at and saying like, hey, that's cool. Hey, can I maybe like put a little bit aside in a tiny cup for you to try first? And then, yes. you know, if, if you still want milk, you can add milk or, you know, different ways of thinking about it like that, I think are really important as well. Um, but you're right. Language is so important because coffee started out and still is today for a very, for a very large part of the economy, a commodity which means it is convenient, it's mm-hmm. cheap, and it is easy to find, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, when you take something like that that people take for granted and you say, oh, no, 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 you have to try this, it's much better, and then you start using words and phrases they don't understand, you sound, like you said, Alexander, snobbish, and that's not what we want. That's not how a community grows. Um, and it's, I imagine it's the same for the church, right, where yeah. you, you need to bring people <laughs> in and make it feel... Not only approachable, but uh, something that you can sink your teeth into and, and don't get overwhelmed by, right? Absolutely. I was in a coffee shop just the other day and I was eavesdropping on a conversation between the barista and somebody who was looking to buy a bag of coffee. So there were some really great coffees on the shelves, like really great coffees on the shelves. And this lady walked in and you could tell that like she just wanted a bag of coffee. So she asked the barista, she's like pointing at some bags. She's like, what's the difference between these? And the barista, I noticed, had a really hard time explaining 
at her level, in her terms, what could possibly be the difference between those coffees. So he wanted to talk about mm. elevation and fermentation and all this stuff. And I just oh, saw no. her spirit like bleed out of her ears. And he <laughs> finished talking and she said, which one's the cheapest? And she went home with that one. Uh, and so yep. there was an opportunity there to increase her coffee literacy. And he missed it because he didn't have the tools that he needed, which is just accessible language. Um, and that's probably because he exists in an echo chamber of baristas who talk about yeah, coffee yeah. a certain way, which is fine when you're talking about coffee, who can talk about coffee that way. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. But, and, and that's what I find a little bit going on on Instagram too, is like these little pockets of echo chambers where it's like, you can breach this community if you know how to talk this way. And I don't know, I, I think there's a more holistic vision or should be for communities of all shapes and sizes. So that's where that's where the more approachable language um, that is still true. Language that's still true describes things as they are, uh, but at least more approachable to help people along to increase their coffee literacy and an increased literacy turns into a more informed purchaser, which is a whole nother conversation. But that just you just are a more. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're just more informed. You're a more considerable capitalist. And that's great, too. <laughs> Conscious consumerism. Yeah. That's the name of the game. Yeah. You know, um, you said something there. I'm, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. So let's imagine wow. in that scenario that you were eavesdropping on that you were the barista yeah. and that lady came up and said, what's the difference between these coffees? What, how would you have gone about that? I would have tried to narrow the field of focus by asking her a question by saying either learning how she's gonna brew it at home or what kind of coffee she likes or or what she already what she already may know about those coffees. So to basically establish like this, this base of like, okay, this is where we're starting from. And then mm. I would describe the things that the barista was trying to describe, whether it was flavor profiles or roast profiles or whatever, but using language that is familiar. So if I was trying to describe, I just did it today. I, I selected two really great coffees to brew today. Um, it's a Pacamara variety, variety from Nicaragua, uh, grown at a really great farm, uh, but two processes. One was a honey and one was a natural. And I chose those coffees intentionally to increase the coffee literacy of the people I was serving to teach them about coffee fermentation. Nice. But I couldn't use, I couldn't say, well, the difference is one's a honey and one's a natural because to most people I serve today, if not all people I serve today, though that doesn't mean anything. So I had to say, mm -hmm. so the difference between these is the way they're processed. Coffee is a fruit just like a cherry. And so the one that says natural on the bag, when the coffee was dried, the whole fruit was left on and that's gonna result in a more fruity cup. The other one that says honey, the skin was taken off, but the mucilage was left on, which kind of looks like honey. That's why we call it that. And so that's going to result in, in a different type of cup. So I just had to use different language. I'm describing the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm speaking in their language. And that is not just, that just doesn't enable them to make a better purchase, a more informed purchase. But that was a learning opportunity. The people who left me today learned something about coffee processing. And when we have that conversation again, maybe we can use different language or maybe not. And maybe that's okay too. No, I know. I've noticed, man. You, you. It's really admirable. Uh, you talk about intentionality. You talk about uh, using common language, and these are all pedagogical tools. I mean, these are the tools of a pastor, of a teacher, of an educator, of someone who's constantly reaching out to people. Do, have, have you always kind of had a proclivity toward 
these characteristics that you're finding are useful to you now or was there was there something in life that maybe set you along the path of becoming someone who's a very good educator speaker teacher bridger you know bridge builder uh when it comes to these things i love that question uh my dad is a pastor so i come by it naturally i guess he uh. has been pastoring since 2000 2001 so since i was about 10 um i'm not sure that he was my main uh, source for that kind of inspiration. I'm sure it was an influence, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in school, like English was my favorite subject. I loved, I, I don't like math because there is a, an objective right and wrong. And if you can't find the right, then you're wrong. But with English, you can use words to prove just about anything you want to prove. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, <laughs> I've always been kind of wired towards language and towards, I guess, teaching a little bit. I'm the kind of person that um, learns a lot about something that I'm interested in. So I can kind of, I can kind of grasp the thing pretty well. And I guess I just ha have a gift of relaying that information in a way that is, is digestible. So it's probably a little bit of nature and a little bit of nurture, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I come by it honestly. Nice. Um, I just, uh, this is a break real quick. I just realized that I don't have my computer plugged in and I don't want the computer to die. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. why Plug don't, why don't you guys talk about what's in your mug today? Okay. Cause I know what's in our mug. Yeah. And then I'll be right back. Oh, that's great. Perfect. One minute. Are you, you're going to grab the plug. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Yeah, dude. What's in your mug today? What, what coffee are you drinking at home today? So, um, I, it's gone now I'm looking at an empty mug and I'm wishing that it wasn't empty, which I guess is my own fault because I brew small mm -hmm. doses. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, wait, did you arrow press it? No, I, I used an origami dripper, the medium size, but the mm -hmm. Kalito 185 filter. So it's a 13 gram dose. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a coffee from luminous, a roaster in Las oh. Vegas. Mason and Lexus. That's right. right. Uh, just yeah. exceptional people who, I don't know, run a company. If I was going to run a company on their scale, I would want to run it like they do. Um, yeah. They don't give too many shits about, about a lot of the things that people care about. Um, yeah. And they're, they're really pushing boundaries, which I really, which I really respect. And I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of embodied in this coffee a bit. It's a coffee from Sumatra, um, which a lot of us associate with another S word, Starbucks. Yep. And this coffee is nothing like the Sumatra you've had from Starbucks. It is super complex. It has um, like a green apple acidity, like it sparkles like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's got a big full body. And I find when I push it to one to 17 ratio, it, it really opens up a lot. So that's what I'm drinking. Sumatra from Luminous. At one to 17 mm -hmm. with a 13 uh gram starting point yeah 13 gram dose 1 to 17 ratio which ends up being you know like 220 221 221 grams yeah i, I started jumping on the the 12 gram <laughs> like half dose train you're on that train too i am you would be yeah because i'm a homebrew daddy I, <laughs> that's yeah. what's up i've got i've got a <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that name, but I, oh. <laughs> I've got a Stag X that, um, yeah, like the, the regular size Stag X is the perfect size for like 12 grams sure to 200. Is. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and, it, and that really brings out for me like uh, like citrus notes. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's the shape of the, the brewer or the, the dose or whatever, but I, I usually get a lot brighter coffees, mm -hmm. or I should say my cups are brighter doing yeah. that dose. It, and I enjoy it. 
I noticed that you made enough on the Chemex for the both of us. That's right, today. because you know you, you gotta you gotta serve yeah. when, when you have guests. So very charitable yeah, of you, <laughs> Matt. What what are we drinking? Yeah, we're we're drinking <laughs> um, we're drinking a coffee from Colombia. It's a double fermented natural. Um, uh, give me a second. It is a Katura coffee. Yeah. yeah, it is a it's a Katura from. El Vergel Estates in Colombia. This was a highlight roast that we did. This is guava we, banana. Guava yeah. banana. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. It's kind of boozy. It's uh, honestly, obviously super fruit forward, right? Yep. I have been getting a lot of like melon mm. and I guess you could say guava. Like you said before, Alexander, like I've never eaten a guava fruit, so I can't say, yeah, guava, but yeah. it's like this like tropical fruit punch kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, gotta, the, I gotta go buy a guava so I know what the heck that tastes I like. I have some in the, the fridge if you wanna stop by oh, or yeah, <laughs> I would take a trip up. Niagara Falls, yeah. We're not maybe. that far from no, there. No, we're we're like far. three hours. Hey, can we three talk three hours from Niagara Falls? Probably. Can we talk oh, about Oh no, Niagara Falls. Where, oh, sorry. Where exactly are you? Uh so we're in do you know Albany, the capital of yeah, New yeah, York? Yeah. We're uh, about forty minutes north of that. Okay, cool. Yep. So uh, I, I was I was wrong. We're three hours to the Canadian border, but that's Montreal. We got to go yeah, west yeah, towards yeah, Buffalo, yeah. <laughs> then like, to Niagara. Yeah, yeah. Don't like, mind me. That's a seven-hour drive to Niagara Falls yeah. just to get there, and yeah. then we still got to cross the border, and, which you know, you're definitely I mean, not doing right now. Sure. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, we can't do it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, no. So yeah. God bless America. God yeah. bless America. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I wanted to. Add, I wanted to. I'm I'm a bad podcast guest because I'm I'm turning the conversation back on you and without a question I'm basically just going to talk for a second. Uh, by the way, yeah, yeah. Albany is four and a half hours from here. So, oh whoa, oh, whoa. yeah, there, mu there, is, there must be a highway that cuts. There must be a highway that cuts through, so you don't have to take. Oh no, you know what? You go into Canada first and then cut across Canada. No, it's the ninety. It goes right. It goes right what? through Utica, Syracuse, Rochester, yeah. and then right into Buffalo. I don't know how that's only four and a half hours because it used to take me like four just to get to Brockport. Yeah, in <laughs> Rochester. Um, He's right over the border. Anyways, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, since we were talking about your coffee and what you're drinking, and I know you have guava banana in stock right now, but you guys sent me a bag of the All Day ADK. <coughs> oh, yeah, um, you got yeah. it. Yeah, which is a coffee that I really appreciated um, because it does the thing that I'm trying to do as well, which is build a bridge between a certain type of person and a certain type of experience. Um, yes. So it's... Uh, it's it's exactly what you say it is. It's a blend of two really interesting coffees, one from Zambia and one from Ethiopia, um, but also roasted in a way that is is familiar to people who drink a certain type of coffee, but doesn't do the the coffees that you've obviously thoughtfully selected. It doesn't do them a disservice. You know what I mean? Um, Thank you. So Thank I just wanted to commend you on on kind of curating that coffee and and uh, roasting it as well. I forget. Uh, Who's the name? Knockabout Roasters did that one for you, right? Knockabout, yes. yeah. yeah. Yeah, our friend Nick Fernia, he's uh, 21 years old. He came right out of high school and instead of going to college, started a business, um, a business Nomad yeah. Coffee and Crepes, which is a little, uh, I would say, probably 400, 500 square foot cafe. Imagine if bar. you would the best specialty coffee dive bar. Yeah, that could oh, cool. exist. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so he's he's the man, and he's been teaching us how to roast, which has been yeah. amazing. We just actually bought our own roaster, a little five hundred grand Ooh. Mill City, which is pretty exciting. That's it's in interesting. My right now. Well, we, you know, we're seeking to educate ourselves, right? Yeah. yeah. And 
And every now and then what'll happen is one of these opportunities will come along the way and like Matt will just be like, We gotta do it and I'll and I'm an enthusiast. I don't have you ever done like the nine personality types or whatever? Have you ever done that test? Um I'm most familiar with the Enneagram. Okay. So there's that, and then there's like the nine personality types. And yeah. There's like, you know, the facilitator, the leader, the you know, the enthusiast and stuff. I'm definitely an enthusiast. So okay. Matt, Matt will be like, "We got to do this because we're we're gonna increase our education." And I go, "Absolutely, yeah. we're in, yeah, hundred percent." Yeah. And like, <laughs> so like, we ended up just one day. I remember I woke up and there were like a string of texts already. We had been like going back and forth, and I think we had pretty much silently decided upon it. But I woke up and Matt was already texting with the guy we were buying it from ron greco a yep. good friend of ours and i i just watched the conversation unfold i didn't even say anything <laughs> to matt i was like should i text him and say something and i was like nah he's got it like this is i got it this yeah. is great he, he already knows you're gonna say yes anyway so yeah, yeah. so like i was like ah, oh, whatever we're um, always yeah kevin and i always seem to be for the most part on the same page which is yeah we were amazing. today i called you up and said hey could i show up a little early and you called me back and you were like hey i didn't listen to your voicemail could you show up a little early <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, really that's your fault for leaving a voicemail you should have just texted him but totally uh, yeah, yeah you're not I a big texter all the time you're not a texter no. like like okay. one-on-one to me like we're in a lot of group chats yeah. together but if i text you directly you'll just give it like a thumbs up or yeah. a heart oh, nice. i do that in a lot of personal texts here's the thing and going back to what you guys were talking about earlier I have currently, and this this really, uh, what you were talking, Alexander, what you were saying about intentionality is really resonating with with me because that's something that I'm, uh, I am I am reshaping what intentionality means to me. Cool. On a very personal level right now, oh. and that's like one of the biggest reasons that I have I still have no personal social media currently, mm -hmm. and then I I also have been. Like I have the read receipts so people can see when I've read messages, but I'm not responding to people immediately unless it's an emergency. It's not totally. the, it's and not like, the best feeling letting somebody know that you've read it and just letting, <laughs> just letting them sit in that while they just wait for you to respond. It's kind of and a power not, move. Not yes. out of spite either. Yeah, it's yeah. literally, I'm actually thinking about my words yeah. and yeah. I've noticed some people can't handle it. No. And like, and they're so used to having like this. And I was too, for a very long time. I was very used to like that instant gratification. We're doing things and we're showing everybody everything that we're doing all the time. And like, I, I, and I, I can appreciate that, but at the same time, like that's not where I want to be moving forward. Hmm. So like I'm in a space right now where I know when I get back onto social media in whatever platform, in whatever form that is, you know, like when I'm re-engaging with it, I'm going to be starting at a very base level with a lot of intention hmm. and like, and a lot of thought behind it and what it means to me because I don't want to just be like throwing up the things that I'm doing for the sake of throwing up the things I'm doing. And I also don't want to be throw it, like throwing in pieces into conversations that are unnecessary or hmm. like, you know, just throwing my two cents in to throw it in, which sure. is something that can become a habit if you train yourself to do it. So I'm kind of training my brain right now to behave in this other realm. And I woke up today, super intentional, woke up, got my workout in, got some really good food, was hydrated, and then started calling people, started texting people after yeah. that, you know, and it felt really good. I have um, been practicing that practice for lack of a, 
a better word at the risk of being redundant um, in my <laughs> in my face to face conversations as well, because I have noticed and I'm sure you guys I'm sure you guys can see this in your own lives too, the way that our instant texting um, has kind of um, I don't know, distorted the way that we're able to communicate face to face, especially in conflict. I've noticed the way that we engage in conflict over text is so un um, I think unnatural. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in my personal conversations, what I noticed is that when someone was speaking to me, I would already be thinking about what I was going to say. Yes. And then, yep. and so what that does is that, first of all, that just means I'm not actually listening to what you're saying. Um, but I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say. And I, th- I think, I, I can't prove this, of course, but I think it had to do, in my own life, it was just because of how instant a lot of our other communication is. It was that habit was bleeding into personal conversations. So in my own consciousness, I've had to resist that. And what it actually looks like lately, guys, is intentionally, when you're speaking to me, me choosing to only listen to you and not think about what I'm gonna say next. And what that looks like is when you're done talking and I would normally jump in and respond right away, sometimes I need like five, 10, 15 seconds to actually think about what I'm gonna say before I say it. And that can be like a little bit awkward, but it's <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's just more thoughtful to use that word, like you were saying, Kevin, like just more intentional and being much more choice yeah. with my words. And what it has given me is a much more rich conversational experience and that just translates into like deeper relationships i think because people know when i'm talking to them that they're being heard um and and not too many people articulate that to me i mean rebecca does because we're married and we talk like that all the time um but people will know when you're listening to them or if you're just hearing them and i think that comes a lot from how we talk online um so i try to i try to push back against that stuff in my my real a face-to-face life as much as I can. And, and probably sometimes too, uh, you know, I err on the extreme side, but I'm trying it and it seems to be working. So <laughs> Dude, that's great. Do you ever see, um, kind of the other end of that spectrum where if you're being intentional in a face-to-face conversation and you, maybe you're like I am right now, pausing, thinking, choosing your words carefully. If at least for me, I sometimes take my time to a fault to get a thought out mm-hmm. um, because I'm trying actively not to um and ah and just say stuff to fill the time, but instead say things that matter. Sure. Um, do you ever find that people, because of social media, I would say, or because of the world that we live in with uh, just constant influx of information, that people are easily distracted and don't you know have a hard time keeping up? with what you're saying and instead stop listening, it feels like. Yeah, I've experienced that a couple times. Um, and people probably, maybe they say stuff about me behind my back when we're done actually having a conversation, be like, were you listening to that guy? Like, why was he taking so long to respond to you? Um, <laughs> but like, is he okay? Is he awake? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I've had, a, I've, I've noticed that a couple times where people's attention drifts. Um, but I think at the end of the conversation, um, maybe in their own self reflection, they could probably recognize that they had my full attention the whole time. Mm. And it over time, as I've kind of practiced this over time, I think, I think people know me as somebody who doesn't use too many empty words. 
So sure. when I say something that carries weight, they know that I've I've really considered it, and whether that's that's a good or a bad thing. Um, like what what I mean is whether the thing that I'm saying carries like a heavy like negative weight, or if it's like a, a you know a very positive thing. Um, people know that I I didn't say that without basically deep consideration first, and therefore it just ends up being a lot more meaningful. So of course, I know I think it's working. Of course I think it's working cause I'm the one who's doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been working great in this conversation. So I, I appreciate it. It actually, no, I have noticed that though. It's been really nice talking to someone who is putting more thought and meaning into their language, you know? Absolutely. And that's something that I think it's going to be, it's, it's of, it's of an intrinsic and like irrefutable value totally to do that you know it's something intangible too it's it's Hmm. of a value that cannot be um recreated anywhere else Mm -hmm. you know well and and nowadays our attention is so portioned off in so many different ways um in in so many areas of our life that i think it's i think it's a really valuable thing to know that that I have your attention, you have mine, and and this is yeah. the moment we're sharing here, and this is it. Like this is this is all that's going on. Um, it's like to me, it feels like a breath of fresh air because when we're done here, I'm gonna walk out that door, and there's gonna be a baby that needs me. I got to make dinner. There's you know the DMs have piled up since we got on here. I've got texts. <laughs> I've got texts that are waiting on me. I have been off work for a month, so I literally have four weeks of emails. Like there's always something, right? But for yeah, now, yeah. it's it's just us, and it's it's good. Yeah, that is nice. Wow. Off work for four months. Four That's weeks. Great. No, did yeah. I say four months? Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. You no. mean four weeks? No, four, four weeks. weeks. It's been a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Kevin and I were making jokes about like uh, you know, our healthcare system is so funny. You know, like like the the idea oh, it, yeah. we only just got like paid family leaves in, in new york which essentially is you know leave for when you have a kid mm-hmm. um but for a long time that was uh that was it was only maternity leave for women mm-hmm. and it was sort of assumed up until the last maybe decade or so yeah that the dad would save up pedo right P- personal oh, time off time vacation off, yeah. mm-hmm. time off yeah, pto baby uh maybe some medical time off if they're like divvied up and yeah. you would just like take time wherever you could to be home with the kid, but you were working and you had, and it's so dumb. And how we're long, just, how long is family leave? So I don't think it's that long. Uh, well in New York state, so this is a state law. It's not mm-hmm. federal. Um, we have been paying into federally or sorry, in uh, from a statewide tax, a, uh, paid family leave, which pays you, uh, I think, up to 80 or 90% of your salary for up to six weeks, maybe four to six weeks, which is great. That's that good. is progressive. But we're also living in New York. You know, that's yeah. it's not guaranteed nationwide. So our system works the same way. It's a federal tax that you pay into. And Rebecca, and this is standard across, um, I believe this is federal. Um, Rebecca gets 12 months off. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. The first year. Yeah. That's so awesome because like it's awesome for everyone. Yeah. We know as modern human beings, how crucial that development time is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like how dense that connection can like that, that time that you're developing the connection with your direct, like your mother and father as Mm -hmm. a child is so like necessary 
uh, all all of the positive words essential like uh, amazing you yeah. know and like so that's great to hear that she gets 12 months yeah to just dedicate to asher yeah it's uh and that's the world i grew up in so that was i just thought that's how the world worked and then of right. course <laughs> i went and i married an american and I learned that, oh, that's not how the world works. <laughs> I was going to make a joke like, yeah. what, like, how's universal health care? Yeah, yeah, man. Like, yeah, it's, well, how's, really, how's, it's really great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. And Rebecca, you, so you and Rebecca were long distance for, like you said, three or four years until four you got years. married. Yeah. I'm surprised, like, if I was Rebecca, I would have, I would have jumped ship a long time ago, you know? <laughs> especially with, that's still trying to find Especially a way to with jump the ship. age of Trump. We all, we all made jokes when Trump got elected that we were all going to move to Canada. I know. Yeah. That was, sounded like a great idea. I don't know why well, we did Well, now do the it. border's closed. So, yeah. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, you, uh, you missed your opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, real fun one, but also the most important question of every podcast. What's your jam? Was, uh, is there a song or an artist or. Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, I thought about this yeah. question. Um, oh, yes. So lots of great music that has come out uh, in the last couple of weeks, actually. So I'm unashamed to tell you that I have like really been listening to Justin Bieber's new record. Um, oh, let's go. It's a so, lot. so good. And like the deluxe version um, that just dropped last week, I think. So Tori Kelly, she's one of my favorite uh, like vocal artists. She's got uh, they added a track with her on the end of the deluxe uh, version. So I'm really loving that record. Um, for my kind of alternative or like rock people, um, Manchester Orchestra is dropping a new record. Um, and yes. the, the first two singles are, are really, really great. Bedhead is outstanding and the music video was just crazy good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my like hip hop or like MC loving people, uh, favorite artist of mine long before he did a collab with Onyx Coffee Lab is Propaganda. Um, oh, yeah. he's, a uh, he was a, a spoken, basically a spoken word guy. He was doing like slam poetry and, and he's got just like some really rich history in, in LA and, and has that like LA born and raised kind of, kind of vibe to him. And mm-hmm. he just dropped, um, I guess it's an EP. It's called Terraform, which is what his coffee with Onyx is called. Um, oh, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So that. he, he dropped that yesterday on new music Friday. Um, and it's, I was listening to it like probably too loud today in the car. Um, <laughs> you know when it's like, you know it's too loud because it kind of like there are some frequencies that are hurting, some speakers are crackling, but it's like, oh, this yeah. is, it's good. Like I know that this is the right thing to do right now. If you were in an Definitely. old Honda Civic, the doors would have been like, you know, rumbling a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Those have been my jams lately. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, but mostly just sports talk. So that's boring. Oh, well, you know, pass the brew and stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. Shout out Mark Cunningham. Yeah, (laughs) I was, uh, I was on that podcast a while ago. I mean, uh, COVID has just warped time for all of us. So I can't tell you if yep. that was in the last month or the last year, but it was sometime. Uh, <laughs> me, and, me and Mark had a great chat. He's a really, really good guy. Fellow Canadian, of course, as you know. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, his podcast is good. So shout out to Pass the Brew. Yeah, I actually, I wanted to give him a shout out. I didn't know where to fit in a joke about it, but I actually, we have some fresh maple syrup here. Oh, that's, um, did he send it maple to you? Season. No, that's the joke. He has it. maple syrup. <laughs> I, that's I the like, joke. That's it. Because Mark was like, he posted a bunch of stuff about having maple syrup and stuff. And I was like, yeah. all right, we can do that too yeah. down here in New York. Like, Yeah, my, you're still you're still in the zone. Like, you you know, like the mountains and the trees and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you have maple trees where you are. So. We're, we're progressive enough that uh, to some people south of us, we've been referred to as New Jersey's Canada. 
You know what? That's <laughs> not, that's not bad. If I were you, I would take that and I would run with it. Oh, I yeah, that's I not. I, I I mean, that's a compliment. I take that. That's yeah, great. I 100% take that. And we just legalized cannabis. We're Yo, great. let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're great. making strides here in New York. Man. Well, Governor Amazing. Cuomo needed a win. That's really what it came Did down to. Did he ever? He was in a tough spot. So he says, <laughs> "I'm just going to legalize weed and make the general population happier than they've ever been." Yeah, maybe, man, he, maybe. Said, he said he uh, said he said Everybody, chill out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that poor guy. Um, before we move All on right. to our jams, I do yeah. want to I, I do want to geek out uh, really quick with you, Alexander, because I've seen and this might have been before you moved. I don't know what your new setup looks like, but you've got a really sick vinyl setup. Yeah, that I aspire to. I my, for Christmas, my parents were really, really wonderful and got me like a phenomenal, just beautiful record player. Yeah. Uh, by Audio Technica, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know uh, the whole. Th- I mean, just I, the, it, it's got like the weighted arm. It doesn't matter. It's so nice, and so I'm, st- I'm still working on my setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that setup look like for you right now? And like, is is it separate from your like living area, or is it in your living area? What's it like? So it's right in my living area. So we have this like big, you know, kind of mid-century modern TV stand. So the TV's on top. And then Mm -hmm. below on the shelf is I've got a Denon receiver and then the turntables right next to the receiver. And then I've got two big tower speakers off to the side and, um, you know, a 12 inch sub off to the right. Um, it's a 5.1 system, but I I don't have the rear speakers hooked up right now. I'm not sure I'm going to, the towers sound really, really good the way they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I have used that audio technica turntable and I, I like it a lot. I do have kind of a bent towards vintage gear. Um, so I, so I have this old, like refurbished, um, Sony turntable that treats me really well. Now I come, I know that I come by this from my father. My dad is, my dad's got a problem. Um, (laughs) like his collection, I, he's probably over 2000 vinyls right now. Um, yeah. And so, um, I don't have 2000 records, but, and mostly because I, I haven't, accrued them over the course of the last 40 years like my dad has but mm-hmm. uh every time i'm in the city or my dad drops off a record every once in a while i i, I try to buy one or two so i was in the city a couple days ago and i picked up um kanye west jesus is king nice. um Ooh, yeah. and i bought that because i've been kind of eyeing it i i liked that album um but it won kind of ironically i guess it's not ironic it's just true but it won the grammy for best contemporary christian album this year which feels like a joke to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the shop, I saw it and I was like, you know what? It won the Grammy. I got to buy it. So I bought that. And, um, I bought Al Green's first album, uh, for Rebecca. She's a big Al Green fan. So it's called green is blues. And, uh, that's what I came home with this week. So yeah, that's my setup. Um, and we spin, we spin vinyl like in the evenings, when there isn't a hockey game on, but we want to be like kind of just lounging in the living room, I'll make a coffee or like pour a drink and we'll just sit down and listen to some vinyl. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I've always been the kind of, I don't listen to playlists when, when, and I have friends who do who only listen to playlists, which is fine. But the way I consume music and the way I consume art is full album front to back. Um, and I I get that from my dad. So vinyl really obviously suits that kind of listening habit. That's how I'm going to listen to that 
that artist anyways. Um, yeah. so I just, I just love, and, and if I put like, if I put on Bon Iver and this is, I wouldn't, I don't know why I'm telling you this because people are going to listen to this. Like people are going to know <laughs> this about me so far. I think it's only my wife and my dad that know this about me, but if I'm like in the zone, mm-hmm. if I put on Bon Iver, um, any of his records really, but, uh, especially the, the, the most recent, I will lay like on the ground on my stomach and just lay on the floor like no no i won't have my watch on no phone nothing i'll just lay on the floor look like i'm asleep and listen to the record that way because you can kind of feel it in the floor but it's like i don't know what it is i i don't i'm regretting i'm regretting saying all these words out loud please don't no no i love this first of all you've 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 piqued my interest because uh i'm a i'm a bony bear like i'm just a sucker for all things bony bear yeah yeah uh, just inverted one of my first vinyl experiences was in college i had a little apartment with our friend chris yeah uh who that was chris calling me by I the know, way his, his mom his mom is in the hospital and she's okay and she's leaving the hospital oh, so yeah, shout out to chris kerr yeah, yeah good shout, out. shout out to chris kerr and joan Props walter's and prayers mom. yeah for yeah. sure yeah. yeah um but anyways we so they had we had this apartment together I had this, you know, this funny uh, one of those Crosley like multi uh, multi device uh, record players, right? It was like a wooden box, yeah. and it, you yeah. know, put a CD in it and all that stuff. And I got the self titled record by Bon Iver mm-hmm. and so spun that thing so so much that year. That was 2013 to 2014, mm-hmm. just nonstop. And we were we went to school in Oswego, which is like, uh, well, it's right on Lake Ontario, mm-hmm. right? And yep. the the winters were really heavy, so you had like a lot of snow. Like that is the record for deep winter, man. Just, oh, dude! When track three comes on, when Holocene starts playing, uh, it's like everyone stop everything. I'm sad right now. <laughs> yeah, I like I just need to listen. Like Justin just needs Whoa. to sing me to sleep. Yeah, I don't care dude, how I happy know I am as a human being when Holocene comes on. I'm sad, yeah. yes. it's the good, but it's the good sad. It's the yeah, yeah. It's the kind that hurts. It hurts so good. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Quick, quick comment before Matt, your gym. Please. Um, I want to throw down because you brought up uh, Onyx Coffee and yeah. propaganda. Onyx Coffee. First, they they did the uh, 1619 with Coffee yep. Black, right? Yeah. Then they Bartholomew, had my guy. Shout out to Bartholomew Jones, my guy. Right? Oh. Shout out to Bart. Um, it, and then they did uh, with propaganda. Um, the terraform. terraform, but then they just did who shot you with everybody's busy. Yeah. And I love the triumvirate that has yeah, happened there. That's really so cool. when they first did 1619 with Bartholomew Jones, I was like, this is awesome. I hope they do more. And then mm-hmm. they did terraform and I was like, this is really cool. I wonder where this is. And then who shot you from everybody's busy. I was like, Whoa. All right. That's cool. Because everybody's busy. I don't think a lot of people like yeah. they have a really great following in their community, mm-hmm. but I don't think a lot of people in the coffee industry. Yeah. They're kind of neat. Yeah. Well, and now they're probably there's, there's eyes that are being directed toward them yeah. that never would have before. And I love them. I felt so. the same way with, with coffee black and Bartholomew Jones. When, when he got his moment with Onyx, it was like, they took their, ginormous spotlight that they have mm-hmm. and they shone it on him and it I was just texting with the, the other day it's like it changed his life and not just yeah. for him his life is devoted to the work of the people where he lives yeah and I I have to like give some credit to Onyx for who they are and what they do so many great people there like Alika and Lance and like the like 
everyone's so great there, but the, I don't know how they do it. A company, this, the, the scope that they are, mm -hmm. that they can continue doing really important things. Yeah. That's that, that seems really uncommon that when companies grow to a certain scale, they, for whatever reason, stop doing meaningful work in my, in my opinion, mm -hmm. it's usually these smaller grassroots company that really affect change. But Onyx seems to be doubling down and like winning awards for their packaging, which is dope yeah. and good for them, but also doing really important work and highlighting people who are also doing important work. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't know how it gets better than that. So one more thing uh, before yeah. you guys tell me what's your jam. Um, yeah. yeah. Just because we're talking Justin Vernon. If you haven't listened to Big Red Machine, it's his project with Aaron Dessner from The National. Oh, what? no, I had um, never known okay. that at all. I'm so glad that you didn't know this. So there's a record that they dropped in 2018 called I Won't Run From It. Um, I have that on vinyl as well. It's another album that I will lay on the floor and listen to. There's only like three albums that I will do that with. That is one of them. Um, so check that out for you guys. Cause I know you'll appreciate mm -hmm. it, but also the people listening, the band is yeah. called big red machine. It's a project between Justin Vernon and Aaron Dessner from the national and the record's called, I won't run from it. Yeah. I'll definitely check that out. Now, I love what, uh, what they were able to do on folklore with. Oh my gosh. Taylor like Swift. don't even get me started with Taylor Swift. It's, it's the so only good. like, yeah, it's so good. It's yeah. such a come up. Like, not that Taylor Swift is really coming up because she has been a massive, massive star for as long as we can remember now. But she went into that pop era, and and she did. She embraced it, and she embraced it. Yeah. She did 1989, mm -hmm. which I thought was really great. Uh -huh. And then uh, I think a couple of records after that, they, they didn't land with me. They seemed too poppy. She did that uh -huh. collaboration yeah. with Brandon Yuri. Um, that was pretty mm -hmm. good. You, yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. it. I just it felt like it, it felt too easy. There wasn't a whole lot of like. Anyway, personal opinion, maybe a hot take. But then yeah. now that she's leaning back into her roots, which is like acoustic music, but it's more folky yeah. rather than country. I like it's. Oh, it's yeah, phenomenal. Folk. As far as I'm then, concerned, she's proving herself to be one of the most pliable songwriters and artists, at least of my generation. I don't know mm -hmm. another artist who has put their finger on as many genres as she had and mm -hmm. says i will be number one here i will be number one here i'll be mm. number one here i can do this too like when she came out with these records and you know she can write a song but to execute folk music the way she did or like indie that indie vibe and not yeah, feel yeah. it not have it feel country at all it's like how does she have this within her she's a superstar For and sure, those yeah. two records were both exceptional boys what is your jam okay yes hit it matt uh what uh, an, sorry, God damn it. another <laughs> another one. John Mayer. He's also touched a lot of genre buttons. Oh, that's very, true. Very well. And okay, he's yeah. also dominating. I don't know how active you guys are on TikTok, but he's dominating TikTok right no, now. No, no, <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, yes. but I heard that he's all over because he's not on Instagram he's right stopped. now. He's so good. He's yeah. just crushing he's hilarious. TikTok. Yeah. I might down. I might download TikTok just for just John Mayer. For John content. Mayer. All right. All right. Yeah. What's your uh, So I've got a couple. Uh, since we were talking about vinyl, I have this one thing in my head that. I always I might, I've probably already told you this story, Kevin. But um, one of one of my favorite vinyl experiences was I went on a little road trip with our friend Devin Seegers. This was many years ago, and we were going to pick up a guitar that he bought online from a guy. We go and we pick it up, and we're driving through this this college town. I can't remember which one, and uh, we're in like central New York, uh -huh. and. We like stopping in this town. We're like, oh, look, there's a record store. So we like walk in there and we're checking out, you know, we're flipping through the vinyl or whatever. And there's a song playing on the overhead. 
And I turned to the guy who was running the shop, and I, I assume he owned the place, and I said, uh, hey, who is this? Who's playing right now? And the guy was like, oh, that's, that's David Brubeck. It's the David Brubeck Quartet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you have this on vinyl, like right now? And he's like, yeah, I sure do. Here, it's over here. And sure enough, it was uh, this record called Jazz Impressions of Japan by the David Brubeck Quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, like classic jazz, uh, but just really great ja- uh, so jazz impressions of japan he does like these these different um symbolic records where he is like taking a moment in time or a place and he is creating it with jazz so in this one it was japan and it was like very busy and you know a lot of time changes and mm-hmm. a lot of different you know different instruments solos it's one of my favorite records and i i own it upstairs and i spin it all the time and that's awesome so that's so good that's, that's number one okay Number two is uh, I am, it's spring, it's uh, yeah. sometimes cold, sometimes warm, and I've got, uh, I've got a soft spot for, um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm blanking on the, blanking on him, hold on, bear with me one second, here is we go. the lyrics to the song? No, I wish. Oh. <laughs> okay, good, uh, uh, the Japanese house. Oh, yeah. Good at oh, the Japanese house. Dude, okay. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, they did an EP that I also have to look up now. Saw you in a dream? No, Please, Chewing yeah. Cotton Wool. Oh, yes. And Recently. of course, yeah. full circle because the third track has a feature with Justin, Justin Vernon. Oh. And Damn. I was I was in the mountains uh in Banff in the fall and it was the same weather that you were just describing where it's like there's a chill in the air we got the first snow out there and i was doing some work uh i was doing aerial photography which is a a a part of my life that we didn't even that we didn't even touch on wow um (laughs) licensed licensed, uh, yeah a licensed unmanned aircraft pilot um but we were out there filming the mountains and that record it's only four songs um and the first one's like a minute and a half. It's basically an intro on repeat on repeat, just because it was like, you know, when you're in a place or in a moment in time, it's like, this is the vibe right now. Like yes. this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. That was that record. So the Japanese house. So good. Wow. Awesome. Love nice. it. You got third. Uh, Were you about to hit me with a third? I didn't know if you had no, more. No, I'm pointing at you right, because cool. I'm like, Kevin, you you probably got some <laughs> abstract bullshit and I can't wait to dig into it. I got some great abstract <laughs> bullshit for you. Tell um, me. All right, straight up. For everybody here right now, because I'm sure all of us can get down with a little bit of lo-fi beats in our life. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. In a masterful display of marketing, technique, and songwriting, Jazz Enough, uh, J-A-Z-Z-I-N-U-F has released a new single titled Arabica. Stop. I'm not okay. making this the- up. It just came out this week. It's called Arabica. Like, it, And the song starts and you're like, oh, cool, some lo-fis. And then the sample right before the song kicks in is a cup of coffee being poured up, like a mug. You can hear it being filled. And then it's like just cool lo-fi jazz. But it's got really good songwriting and it's not too long. So I love that. So I I should admit that when it comes to lo-fi, I don't know much. I know that when I make a a video of me brewing coffee, I go to Soundstripe and I choose the filters, hip hop, lo-fi, and I choose whatever song that is. So that's that's how I consume lo-fi is uh, backing tracks for YouTube videos or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of... Oh, sorry. 
No, I was just going to say, I don't know much about the genre or the culture. Clearly, people like Jazz enough because he's got a bunch of followers. Oh, yeah. Um, Huge. And I see his most recent post on Instagram is a post about Arabica with uh, one of those. I, surely they've got a name, but one of those um, original like coffee. It looks like a teapot and a kettle, uh, like the traditional way to brew coffee in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the album artwork. So I'm. I'm yeah. going to learn about lo-fi by the time we're done off this podcast. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I, my only Kevin knows I'm the lo-fi nerd of the are. two of us. You yeah. actually, as a, as a gift, Kevin bought me a vinyl of lo-fi, which is kind of like a blending of the two worlds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you'll yeah. find like lo- that lo-fi lo-fi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got hi-fi lo-fi. I yeah. guess. Though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but much how, like you said, Alexander, that um, you consume most music in album form, which mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. I do the same. You'll find that lo-fi, you will consume in playlist form because it's yeah. like okay. a nice medley of really great lo-fi beats. Unless that- you get into the artists and then you know people like Linda Cease and Pandrez. And like oh, once, yeah. once you start getting into them, they actually have concepts to the album. They do. And then hmm. not lo-fi exactly, but let me add onto this a really great guitar driven kind of lo-fi album kind of ventures into r&b and hip-hop a little bit um but even has like a little bit of saxophone and jazz is uh izanagi which is spelled i-z-v uh n-v-g-i izanagi has a really great new ep out called the scarlet ep cool okay and then I didn't. I don't think I even had another. I just thought that those were like super, super great to bring. Well, those in. are. Great. I mean, other than that, I've been jamming metal. So yeah, like, of course. Yeah, I'm not nice. going to throw more metal. Give at me like, uh, throw, throw one metal. Oh, jam no, 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 no. Here's here's my other jam because it's it's a jam that's going to challenge me. Okay. Uh, the new season of Dissect is on Yeezus, and I listened to the first episode, and Yeezus is my least favorite Kanye album, and already I'm like, okay. I can hear where I might appreciate this album that much more by the end of this cool. experience. Yeah, Dissect. Have you ever listened to Dissect, Alexander? No, no. Oh, you would love 100%. It. If you, you like deep diving into music and like really getting to know an artist and albums that they do, Cole Kushna, for the past like four years, has been like dissecting albums. And it's perfect for people who listen to albums in uh, or listen to music in album form. I'm in that category too. Like sure. I have a hard time changing off an album once I've turned it on and started from yeah. like if I'm on track four and there's ten, I gotta get to ten. Like I can't. <laughs> um, but he does such a great job breaking down every little thing that I've learned so much about music from listening to it. I've learned about music theory. I've mm. learned about like what people put into their lyrics and how much it means to have meaningful lyrics. Um, and, and I this, believe each season is its own album. Each season's an album. And then every episode, like they do an intro episode, typically they'll do one or two intro episodes and then they do song, song by song by song. And they just break down. Super cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It sounds like, um, you ever listen to the song exploder podcast? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's just like, that. yeah. Yeah. And then they, they have, have you watched it on Netflix too? No. Yeah. They yeah. They have. Show, dude. They have like a <sighs> visual version now, which is just as cool. But I love. I love the um, Sonic Exploder podcast because I. I. I'm a musician as well, so I. I love you know, kind of getting like the behind the scenes sometimes a view of some of these artistic works and and yeah. sometimes hearing hearing from the artists themselves because obviously all art is just to be interpreted by the beholder, but when you make. Like especially somebody like Justin Vernon who makes abstract art, basically like yeah. he ha- you know he had an idea, 
and like that song means something to him and sometimes like without hearing it from his mouth you may never catch that um and uh he was i think they did if i'm remembering correctly they did uh an episode of song exploder with him and it was like oh right i want one of these for every track he's ever written because he's (laughs) such a lunatic yeah what what do i have to pay for that i just want i want the whole discography like dissected yeah please yeah yeah all right, Alexander, we have taken up, an, I think, enough of your time. You've probably got uh, an entire folder of DMs to go through, and you've got a <laughs> child. We appreciate you taking the time Man. and spending it with us and chatting with us about coffee. Um, any final thoughts? Where can people find you if they live under a rock and they are, don't already know you? You can find me on the internet, as you said earlier, Matt. Um, <laughs> the internet! So my actual website where my actual blog lives is alexandermills.coffee, which is not too hard to remember. And then on Instagram, which is, you know, some more lighthearted, um, more digestible content, um, is uh, alexander.mills. Obviously, I'm on TikTok because that's where all the kids are nowadays. The kids. Um, I'm on YouTube, too. I'm taking a break from YouTube because just too much work. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm around. And and my final thoughts are just a thought of appreciation to both of you um, for a couple things. One, for the coffee you sent me, I uh, that was very charitable, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think that coffee's special, like I said earlier. I think it's um, it has it's it's really good for what it is, um, which sure. is that 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 bridge builder. Um, but no, for the work that you're doing and, and the reason you're doing it and for the podcast and then, of course, for having me on and giving me a, an opportunity just to to blab for a little while. Um, I think we've we've touched on it in so many different ways that I really am convinced that that language and, and words and mostly just conversation is is so deeply meaningful um, for how we see each other, how we see the world and, and of course, how we see coffee. So um, thank you so much for having me. And you guys are the best. And hey, maybe you. we'll do this one time and not press record and just uh, and <laughs> just uh, just chat because I've had such a great time. And hopefully sometime since you're only we learned four and a half hours away maybe we'll do it in person sometime heck yeah yes please yeah man we would love that anytime you're always welcome we've got some cool coffee in our area though it is yeah it's growing it's a little baby form yeah yeah we were really stoked to have you and uh final thought for me we operate uh this podcast and our organization on gratitude that is the that is the uh genesis of what this is is just being grateful for what already exists in the world in coffee um and we're grateful for you and we're grateful that you are a part of it so thank you thanks guys 